This is the future. And humanity is all but extinct. First they start skipping prescribed drug dosages. Then they begin touching. I volunteer as tribute! You can stop this. You can change things. I know that there's something more. Then we've only got one choice. We fight. Fuck the future with Dan and Paul. Welcome to Fight the Future with Dan and Paul. I'm Dan. And I'm Paul. And, and today I'm we'll me. be <laughs> And this is Caitlin. <laughs> Great to have you, Caitlin. Thanks for having me. You're in the orbital underground moon base, orbiting underground moon base. Yeah, the secret layer of load ready run. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you've been sworn to secrecy. Yeah. Had to do all blindfolded on the way in and everything. So today we're doing the second volume of the Divergent Saga called Insurgent. So Caitlin is someone we know from our hometown of Victoria, British Columbia, where they are both there. And I'm recording in Italy, as always, Rovereto, Italy, using my time here wisely by watching American sci-fi movies. Did um, you see this one uh, in Italian as well? I did. So I was very confused at times trying to remember which one corresponded to which faction. <laughs> like Pacifico means uh, amity. Oh, that's a nice one. I like that. But yeah, almost all of the names are better in Italian. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember from the uh, old episode that four is quattro, which is... Yes. Quattro, which sounds cool. Much, much cooler name. And uh, instead of dauntless, it's intrepido. Oh. Nice. Which leads to my favorite line in the Italian translation, which is, sono intrepido, ma non stupido. <laughs> nice. I'm dauntless, but I'm not, not stupid. stupid. <laughs> exactly. And it kind of rhymes in Italian, as most things do. So, after we released our original coverage of Divergent, which was our first ever episode, I received a Facebook message from Caitlin that made me want to have her on the show. So, this is what it says. I just listened to the podcast, and it was a fun listen, dot, dot, dot. Wait for it. There's a but. But, being a fan of the genre... I think you might be doing a disservice to dystopias everywhere by not reviewing the actual books, especially Divergent. The movie is awkward and doesn't give you a real idea of what's happening and why. Some of the questions you two had are answered and clear in the book. She talks about some of the things that the movie changes. Then she says, anyway, I'm not the hugest fan of how these movies are distorting this entertaining series. And don't get me started on the latest insurgent flick. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get you started. Yeah, not yeah. I like yeah, not clear as to what is happening and why would be a, a great description of the first movie especially and the second movie as well. Yeah, a lot of it was that it was a ton of exposition in Italian. So you both can help me on that one. I, I saw it in English and I still don't quite get what was going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so why don't we go back to the first book and movie and talk about that a little bit and the things that you noticed that they changed that were really kind of confused the view of this world. Uh, well, I just think that they really, it could have been a lot more gritty, a lot more simple, and they really made it fancy, and the scope of it is huge. Like, there's not that many people, you know? That's, I think, the part that really bothered me, is that they really took away the intimacy of the books, and 
how many people are actually there, what kind of technology they actually have, and, you know, made it all Hollywood with these touch screens and these cars and lots of guns and lots of people that you kind of lose what the whole world's about in the first place if you were reading the books. I think a good example is like when you see the factionless and how they're living in the second movie. In my mind, that's how the Dauntless are living. You know, in the book, the factionless sit around and they pass around cans of food and everyone takes a spoonful and eats it and passes it on. So like everybody got a lifestyle upgrade. You yeah. Know, <laughs> everybody got bumped totally. up a few economic yeah. classes. This, I was really disappointed because I really liked this series as the book. And then I went to these movies and I, especially with Insurgent, like within the first 10 minutes, I'm like, I, I got to get out of here. I mean, I sat <laughs> through it, but I was like, I got to get out. It's breaking my heart that they're wrecking it so much. Yeah. If you've never read or seen Divergent, we're going to talk a little bit more about it from the beginning. You're probably very confused right now. So we're going we're gonna to give you some ground rules pretty soon in the story section. But I think we're already seeing how it's great to have you on board, Caitlin. Well, thanks. Uh, for, as our expert. Yeah. So, so um, as far as Tris, though, in the book, if you can clear away the movie yeah. a little bit uh, from your mind, was there something about her journey that you really connected with? Yeah, I mean, she's from abnegation, and they don't really show her kind of having to, the struggle she has with shaking that abnegation side mm. of her. Like, it is a source of strength for her, and um, so... You know, you don't really see her struggle with being divergent, with having this, you know, internal battle between her abnegation, her, her erudite, and her dauntless self, like when it comes to different situations she has to deal with. Mm. But yeah. she's a really small, petite person who comes to dauntless and just becomes this powerhouse. Like, you know, I think even the actress is a little bit too tall or too, you know, not representing the Tris that's in the book because she's, a lot of people call her little girl, you know, like she's really seems like an unlikely um, adversary or, you know, dauntless killer, you know, like mm. she's she's a really small person. And so like how sh her internal struggle between all of her different divergent, you know, her factions that she tests for um, is just really interesting and in how she sees things and knows things more than other people because her mind works differently. And I like that actually in the because you know she's not fully dauntless so she doesn't have quite the same fighting capabilities or whatever as everybody else but she can sort of compensate for it in other ways by yeah. using these other aspects of her you know she uh uses her whatever the erudite thing of sort of going up to you know a higher vantage point to try and find the flag yeah. or that, that kind of just stuff. written a better movie one where uh she uses her combinations to solve problems yeah. which is not what happens in yeah. these movies like in They general. make her really girly and, and almost meek in this movie. Like, There's a lot of things that Four does that she does. Like, She's the one really you know, kind of spurring the things that happen. Like, She's mm. a lot more important and aggressive and um, the leader in some, in some ways than you know, Four is or anyone else. Cool. Okay. Well, there's a lot of good stuff there. Let's move on to the story. The story. The world of, you know, in Divergent, the book, it's Chicago and it's run down and there's five factions and people are separated into these five factions. And if they don't live in one of them, then they're factionless and pretty much homeless. This book starts off with Tris getting ready for her aptitude test, which she 
does and ends up being raided for three different factions, which is not a good thing, and she is divergent. Can either of you name all the factions at top speed without stumbling? Abnegation, Candor, Erudite, uh, <laughs> Amity, and oh, there's one more. <laughs> and Dauntless. <laughs> Dauntless. Yeah, they don't exactly trip off the tongue. No. No, no they don't. Can we say briefly what they are? Yep. So there's Abnegation, and they are selfless. And Candor, they're honest. Erudite are the smart people. Dauntless are the strong, brave people. And Amity are the kind of the peacekeepers. And they each have a role in the society. The Candor are the judges and lawyers, and Erudite are the scientists and all this kind of stuff. So yeah. they not only are the personalities, but all the actual jobs seem to be kind of divided up by the factions as well. Yeah, so the whole plot line of the first book and the first movie is set in motion by Triss being identified as a divergent, as having these three different factions that she could be allied with. Or rather not being identified in that she is revealed to be this, but she is told that she has to keep it secret. Right, because divergents are hunted in this world. They're considered a danger to the society. Yeah. After careful thought, not actually that much thought, but she decides to join Dauntless, and they seem the coolest. Yeah. What with all their extreme sports and parkour and jumping and running and stuff. Uh, a lot of in the first movie is her proving herself that she belongs in Dauntless, and then discovering this nefarious plot involving Dauntless. Yes, between Dauntless and Erudite. She kind of catches wind, and, and with the help of Four, catches wind that the leaders of Erudite and Dauntless are up to something. What did Abnegation do again? They're, they're caretakers. Yeah, well, they're, they're politicians. Yeah, they're, they govern. The idea oh, okay. being that the selfless people are the best people to have as your government. Yeah, and they help the factionless and feed them and clothe them. and. Right, so there's a mass slaughter of the Abnegation, including her parents, at the end of the first movie. There's some kind of mind control being used on the Dauntless to facilitate this execution. And it ends with her confronting the head of Erudite, played by Kate Winslet. She uses the same controlling serum stuff on Kate Winslet, on Janine, in order to force her to stop the mind control on the Dauntless people. And so it stops the, uh, this murder of all the abnegation. The movie ends with her and uh, four and a few of her friends escaping on a train out to the sort of outskirts of the city. Yeah, they're escaping to Anemone, which is actually beyond the fence. And then the second movie starts with them at Amnity, but yeah, the idea that them. Amnity is beyond the wall is not talked about. But it is true that they are actually beyond the fence. So these are fences that you can pass through at certain points. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why four is so important is in the book, he actually knows the pin number to open the fence. Like, so they take this train. One, two, three, four. four. Yeah, mm. exactly. The kind of combination an idiot would have on his luggage. <laughs> yeah. So they start, starts with them all at Amity, this kind of motley crew of dauntless folks. And also Triss's brother, who's erudite. They're not fitting in very well. They get into fistfights regularly. Mm -hmm. Or knife fights. She flips the table and then, yeah, tries to use the knife that they were going to be. That yeah, the she butter was knife, yeah. yeah. The butter knife. <laughs> to get Peter. Uh, yeah. Peter eggs are on. Yeah, Peter's kind of a dick. Oh, he is. He's supposed to be. He's played by Miles Teller, who's the uh, whiplash guy. But basically, she's in a lot of angst at this point. A lot of people died in the first movie. 
um, which she takes responsibility for to some degree. They're in Amity and, yeah, not fitting in terribly well. And they keep sort of hearing reports. The most important one is that Janine, the head of Erudite, has released a statement saying that the Divergent were the ones responsible for the massacre of uh, Abignation. Abignation. Yeah. Uh, Abnegation. Abnegation. Abnegation, yes. <laughs> and she's declared martial law and is after them because right. they started it. When Janine says the Divergent are responsible for the mur- for the, the this uh, terrible thing, I'm like, isn't Triss and Four the only two Divergent? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> there aren't that many Divergent. It's not like there's a big Divergent yeah. army hanging out somewhere. So they're in Amity and then... And then Erudite invades with their huge tanks and lots of people and their divergent scanners. Amity was depicted as this kind of idyllic commune with lots of wooden structures and animals and children playing. And I'm like, this just exists so it can be crushed by totalitarian state, right? Yeah. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> I had a premonition at that point. Yeah, Amity appears to be basically like colorful Amish. The Dauntless who are being controlled by the Erudite, I guess, come in come in with their guns ablazing, which seems unnecessary. I'm pretty sure like a person with a stick could pretty much yeah. take out the entirety of Amnity, but they pretty quickly figure out that Amnity was harboring these divergent fugitives. Luckily, they escape in the nick of time on a passing train. Yeah, which is headed towards the factionless area. Well, the factionless area is everything that's not one of the five headquarters. Right. There's sort of a ring of factionless around the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, like they kind of take over the outskirt like warehouses and stuff and and there's a bunch of factionless on the train who are like, "Hey, this is our train. You get we're, off." We're tough like, although we kind of look a lot like dauntless anyway. Such yeah. that I yeah. with the Italian it took me a while to figure out what was happening. And so they fight back and forth for a bit. Trissa's brother proves himself to be not very useful in a fight, which is fine considering he's supposed to be erudite. Yeah. <laughs> Not everyone can kick someone in the face, which I like. Yeah. And so, but just before they are stabbed or thrown off the train or whatever, four... Magic words. Says the magic words... Tobias Eaton. Tobias Eaton. <laughs> and everybody stops and goes... You know him? Yeah. Where, 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 where's Tobias Eaton? You I know? am him. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Boom. It'd be good if there were some scenes where he was had to take a shower but couldn't take his jean shorts off. Never, Never knew Tobias. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of his four fears. <laughs> Wait, did I say four? Maybe it was five, actually. Maybe six or seven. Mm-hmm. I keep discovering new fears. That scene in the in the movie where he's like, you don't get to call me that. My name is four. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? I pictured the Edge having many similar moments in his life. You don't get to call me Colin. I'm the Edge now. <laughs> So, and the reason for that is that his mom is famous with the factionless, right? Yeah, yeah. She's, their, she's their leader, but she's supposedly dead. She, he reveals that he actually knew that she was alive, but he just didn't want to talk to her. But he obviously decided that talking to his mom was better than being stabbed. Thrown off a train. Yeah. So then they have dinner with Evelyn. Naomi Watts. Yeah. I, I think that she's probably evil just based on the fact that she's a mom and wearing red lipstick. Also, just the fact that she's an older woman in a young adult dystopia mm. makes a good chance that she's evil. Or up to something. Up yeah. to something. Scheming. Yeah. 
So they have dinner with Evelyn, and she tells them where the rest of the dauntless people that haven't gone with Erudite are, and they're at Candor. So they go to Candor to reunite with the Dauntless. The Dauntless are really excited to see them, but then the Candor arrests them because they're believing Janine's information that they started it, they did it. So they arrest them, and Fort tells them, well, you guys are the best people to find out if we did it or not because you've got the truth serum, mm-hmm. which is what they use as their initiate um, test. Everywhere, everyone who becomes a new Candor has to take it. But anyway, so they do the truth serum and they tell what happened and some things are revealed and they're proved innocent. And then that's when they get attacked by the erudite and Dauntless and they shoot everybody up and everyone passes out because they're getting shot with those transmitters and things. So everybody passes out unless you're divergent and then that's who they are trying to capture the people that don't pass out from these shots and they're gathering the divergent and testing them. But uh, Tris... Beats the system by pretending to be asleep like the others. Well, I think she falls down and is knocked out for a second. Yeah, and, and then she wakes up. And then and then it's like, oh wait, I'm conveniently after they go by. Uh, anybody who doesn't go to sleep, they have these special sensors that they pointing at their faces and check what faction they're supposed to be in. And we find out that there are actually levels of divergent. So you can be just a little bit divergent, or you can be super divergent. I guess. I wrote in my notes where it's like, you know, we're at the point now where it's it's not enough that Triss is special because she's divergent. She has to be... Extra special. She has to be special even among the divergent. She's the best divergent. Yeah, so she's 100% divergent. She's diverges completely. Yeah, she can't even find the place where there was a virgence. <laughs> <laughs> this is significant because Janine we find out, has collected this special box, which was one of the main reasons why she started this big fight against Abignation, because they were hiding this box. And there's a message inside the box, and Janine wants to know what it is. Yeah, but the box can only be opened by a divergent person, because you have to go through all five, I guess, initiation simulations, simulations yeah, in order to open and it. And she's killing divergent people who are not 100%. And infers that 100% will be just the right amount to open it. Yeah, so then they, they get attacked, and they have all these transmitters, and then um, they're gathering the divergent. Four asserts his leadership and kills Eric. Um, then they have the suicide call, so those transmitters gets they, I don't know, somehow, like erudite's transmitting this message to say, we want Triss, we need her, or else people are going to start killing themselves, and obviously they save two and one falls jumps and falls to her death so that's kind of the spur that gets Triss into a tizzy about I have to sacrifice myself to save the many Mm -hmm. Um, and she ends up turning herself into erudite for whatever purposes Janine has which is to do the sims for the box so they get Triss there to do the sims for the box she ends up doing four out of five and then so not to kill her they rest her for a bit she's in a cell and Caleb's there telling that he's selfless because he's willing to sacrifice her, his only family. Caleb is his brother. Yeah, her brother, yeah. He's not a good guy. He's drunk the Janine Kool-Aid. Yeah, for sure. So what do he and Janine at that point think is in the box? They think that, well, there's a message from the founders and that it will tell them how to stop people from 
being born divergent, I guess. I yeah. think I feel like I think it, it it's like a way to stop not only like get rid of divergence but stop that from happening. Yeah, I think Janine hopes or thinks the message is going to say that divergent are bad and that it's going to like, you know, back her up on her plan to to get rid of them. But nobody knows. So that, that but she wants to know cuz she's erudite and needs to know. So so then they get Tris back into the sim to do the last sim. Um, so she can open the box and Peter, who knew he has a change of heart and fakes her death. So she, she dies, but really she's just paralyzed. And then, um, Peter orchestrates her escape and they're going to escape. But then she's like, no, I have to go back for the box. I need to, we need to get the box. My mom died. So they go back, her and four end up trying to get the box back and then she can't steal it because she needs to know what the message is because she knows it's important. So they lock themselves in the room and she does the final sim. You need and you need all the equipment that Erudite has in order to actually start the whole like you can't just take the box and do it somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, so they had to do it there so they lock themselves in and she does the final one and then the message is revealed. And it's not yeah. what anyone thinks. The big message is that this is not just the only city left in the world after some sort of nuclear apocalypse. This is an experiment. And the divergent people are the actual point of the experiment. The point of the experiment is to create divergent people. Yeah, bring everyone back to their humanity and all the sides of themselves. Right. We got into this in the last one, that people have been genetically modified to be different, to be, say, more honest, making candor, or more, yeah, less scared, making dauntless. But, and they discovered this is a bad idea. But it turns out this is a bad idea, yeah. Which the movies have pretty accurately demonstrated, I feel like. So why don't they just have all the different factions have sex with each other and see if divergence come out of that? Like, wouldn't separating them defeat the purpose? Anyway, that's getting into plausibility. <laughs> but, uh, right, so that's the message, is that we're all waiting outside for divergence to be produced. Yeah, and the, the box is like, well... Considering somebody opened this box, clearly there's at least one divergent around. Mm -hmm. So come on out. Let's see what happens. And then Janine is like, hmm, well, this is awkward. Uh, let's all forget that that happened. Yeah, destroy it. We don't. We won't let anybody know. Uh, but then just before they are able to do that, uh, the factionless show up and kill a bunch of people. Yeah, they arrest Janine and Caleb. And, and then they broadcast this message to everybody yeah. everywhere then the only last scene is when janine's locked up and evelyn comes and says you're never gonna see what's beyond the fence and shoots her in the head uh-huh mm. plausibility this sort of suffers from something i, I kind of uh, think of as like the harry potter problem where they like introduce a bunch of new elements then don't like deal with the fact that that element now exists in the world. Yeah. It's like like the little scanner things that they have. Yeah. And it's like, wait, so that makes basically two thirds of the first movie completely pointless. Yeah. Like if you can just point a thing at somebody yeah. and it's like, this person is amnity, then it's like, oh, why do we have the whole simulation thing where you have to choose and do all the stuff? You just point it at them. This this person is divergent. Oh, okay, that was easy. 
And why do you need to shoot up? Well, my point is, why do you got to shoot up everybody if you've got the scanner? And just so you guys know, the scanner does not exist in the book. <laughs> and I mean, and again, you know, also with that scene, uh, th- those little, uh, the little limpet things that they attach to people, like that's, those are an incredibly important, devastating piece of technology that they have invented. They appear to be just like little stun things at first. Erudite has these things that they can shoot at somebody embeds in their skin can't be removed without killing them and allows them to not only influence their behavior but straight up completely control their bodies whenever they want which seems like a handy thing to have when you're trying to take over a place yeah yeah and they sort of casually shoot them around for (laughs) like for a second before i realized that they were knocking people out i was just like did they are they just Killing off every faction? Murdering everybody in the entire building? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the point where they're at now? But I mean, which it might be. Like this movie is a lot of well, ninety percent of it is like people bursting through doors with guns and just shooting everyone, like like killing hundreds of people on screen. Yeah. I imagine that there are a bunch of erudite that are just like working in their labs on whatever they happen. It's like, ooh, we found a new kind of mold and are working and and, and just like every (laughs) once in a while someone sticks their head in and is like, oh, hey, this happened. And they're like, oh, okay, whatever. And they just keep keep And I think that that's probably true. Like in the books, I think there's a whole bunch of people who are just oblivious. Like it's way more covert and ambiguous. Like there isn't these holograms of Janine telling (laughs) you what to think everywhere. So the the factionless are, are interesting like, what's the difference between being factionless and being divergent? I never quite got that. Well, it's, it's like factionless is, it's like you are dauntless, but you suck at it. <laughs> yeah. So pretty much either you get too old. Lots of people have chosen to be factionless or they just didn't fit in or you weren't smart enough or you weren't honest enough. I don't think any abnegation ever get kicked out because their ceremony includes doing like charity. And then mm-hmm. you have a ceremony where you wash the leaders wash your feet. Nice. Yeah, and then you're you're in. No one has even thought that these hundreds of people that have just been kicked out of different factions that were coming together. Mm. So that's a big surprise that, you know, to when they find them that they're living together, sleeping together, and like creating a, their own kind of community within Chicago. Like there's an impression, at least in, in the movie, that the the factionless are at least as big as one of the factions, if not bigger oh yeah for sure than than an entire faction yeah i mean one thing that they don't do in the movie is they don't go into what the faction lists are doing and that's actually what evelyn is doing in the books is tracking the divergent oh she she also is tracking and she's convinced and somehow kind of knows that the factionless has the highest degree the, the most divergent in terms of all the factions like the factionless are the solution right and they're probably bigger than any one faction, right? Yeah. So why why aren't so, they the story the whole time, rather than these weird people living in their dormitories? <laughs> is it implied that Triss is the only one hundred percent divergent? I like the part where Janine says, "What are the chances it was you?" <laughs> well, it, or high. yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah. It, it's it, almost we, like it's it, some kind of a movie. So there's this box that you have to pass i don't know if it's the like the initiation thing but you have to pass a test for each of the five factions in order to open this box there do people die on the amnity test too 
Like, <laughs> nope, you weren't nice enough. No. Yeah. <laughs> the Amity one is just really particularly hard for her. Like, in the book, she's a real, like, Amity would be a hard well, in the, one in She's her. very into punching things. Yeah, in, she's a little, she's not very nice. Like, that's... And and then the and the turns out the amity test is she has to fight herself. She has to forgive herself. It's <laughs> <laughs> like really yeah. you have to yeah. fight yourself. That's what we're gonna do. Here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my thing or is, or she her... has to not fight herself. Yeah. The trick. She has to just forgive herself. I was hoping that when she fought herself, like it would be like her, but like wearing black, and like being like the evil version with the goatee. <laughs> yeah. They were big on the city being destroyed. As part of those simulations, that seemed to be a large portion of every simulation. Yeah. Inception thing of everything breaking into little flakes. Yeah. Uh, we should say, clarify here, what's happening is for each of these tests, um, Tris is sort of hoisted up into the air by these snaky tube wire things. And then she experiences a vivid hallucination. And to pass the test, she has to do the right thing. And there, the there seems cases. to be sort of force feedback stuff, too. Yeah, well, I like the image that uh, we sometimes cut to her in the real world, sort of moving in the air, like floating in the air, reenacting yeah. things. I like picturing her, like, leggies just going as she's running. Wee! <laughs> <laughs> just they never show that. Yeah. Just, like, bicycling yeah. in midair, yeah. But I think that this is part of my plausibility problem, is, okay, so you, you got this box. Great, Janine. How did you know how to open it? I guess there's symbols like, of the four things uh, yeah, on the like, five things. Like, did it come with an instruction manual? Like this intense technology to go along with it. Yeah, but that's uh, that's my other problem is the technology that they have in general, plus the specific stuff to open this box. All of that stuff does not make sense to me because, like, there's no faction, like there's no industrious faction that's building all these things. Yeah, mm. so they just found this box. They've just dedicated themselves to opening it, but it seems as though they have a high tech custom-built facility just for opening it. investigating this box. Yeah. yeah. Let's see how this plan was supposed to work. First of all, they put a fence around the city of Chicago, which mm -hmm. is an enormous area. They left a tiny number of people in this huge, rotting city of Chicago. Well, I think that's just part of the experiment. Like, if you think if you're going to do a lab experiment, you need to have controls and stuff. So, like, there's your control. It's inside the fence. This is how many people are here. We're going to let them stay there for as long as they can and monitor them. And so clearly the 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 idea that the divergents are not only important but good, you know, they they should it's something that should be encouraged was lost somewhere along the way. Well, it's a secret. I mean, the thing that's in the book is that the the abnegation leaders know that so they're that, good. So that somehow revealing that information that that divergence are actually the desired outcome will influence the outcome of the experiment i guess is the idea yeah i mean i think abnegation has been entrusted with this information these leaders right and they're on the brink of telling everybody because they think hey they're at a point where they have enough divergent people. you guys are really gonna laugh when you hear this okay we we got something we got to tell you Okay. Uh -oh. All right. You know this world that we're in. It's yeah. like, uh, you know, it's it's all a big experiment, mm. right? We yeah. knew the yeah. whole time. Yeah. That this whole systematic warfare between these different factions wasn't even necessary. It's uh, it's just an experiment, guys. Yeah. You're gonna laugh. <laughs> There's like nothing beyond the wall except other people. What? We're not the last people on Earth. Yeah, they're all waiting to say hi. Scariness. Like with 
Catching Fire, we're looking at this world again for a second time and seeing how, as a dystopia, how scary is it and what kind of new information is brought to bear that might affect that in this second movie. The revelation at the end would certainly shake up your world, would certainly make you think your life is a lie, essentially. Yeah, or what now? You just start thinking, well, what now? Like, you know, if you're you're like maybe, uh, you know, somebody from Erudite or from Amnity or whatever, you're 50 or 60 years old, you've lived here your entire life, you know, you've been pretty happy with your thing, boom, you get hit by yeah. this thing. It's like, this is not... Yeah. This is like, holy crap, my entire life is a lie. Well, first, I, we're not the only people on Earth. What? Yeah. There's nothing scary outside the fence. What? There's other people out there. Yeah. What? The faction system is a joke. Yeah. They're actually yeah. broken and defective. Yeah. All, all the Dauntless guys who spent most of their time guarding the fence probably feel pretty stupid now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I so I think, your, I think your purpose, everyone's purpose is just in question all of a sudden. They're like, well, great. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone gets deep all of a sudden. Like, what's this all about? What am I here <laughs> for? And what's I, the meaning of life? Everybody sits and listen to Mad World. A lot of people might be just like, you know what? I am actually totally fine with staying here. Well, I think that'll be the interesting part in the third movie is how they address that because, like in the book, they you know some people don't want to go and mm. don't want things to change and some people are like well let's let's go check it out you know so yeah so like at the end of it if you're just a regular person it's not quite it's 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 you know the, a lot of the stuff that might have been concerning for you has mostly gotten resolved now yeah well now the scariness is more of like a existential yeah kind of like your <laughs> spiritual scariness you know like the immediate danger and shoot them up is kind of dissipated and now it's all the big question yeah, and also there's a remarkable number of automatic weapons in this society. Yeah. How people might not react that well. Mm, that's true, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How would they do? I am the keeper of the box. Mm. So I am Triss's parents, and I have this thing in my house, which I know has a secret to the whole shebang, the whole world that I live in. I had this secret passed down to me from my parents. I know it's in the box, but I know that I alone won't be enough to convince people. So there has to be this holographic image inside. I know what the message is. I have to have these two ideas in my mind. First of all, that I want to be a good abnegation, I want to raise a good abnegation daughter, although she went dauntless, but whatever. And I also hold this secret that one day, maybe not now, maybe a hundred years from now, will be the thing that freeze everybody. So I keep it somewhere in my house, probably disguised somehow, but not very well because Janine found it. Maybe I just kept it under the sink. You put it, put like a tea cozy on over it. Right. Like a, like a funny clock. <laughs> and maybe Tris grew up with it on the mantelpiece and she didn't even know what it was this whole time. This glowy box that looks very technological. So that's what I would be. I am a factionless, but just barely a factionless. Okay. And <laughs> I have a lot of anger about that. Like maybe I w was part of Dauntless and was like just under the cutoff for <laughs> actually getting to stay in Dauntless. <laughs> and so I'm like, come on. 
but there's this thing where it's like, okay, so, you know, I did the test and the test said I'm dauntless. So I was like, okay, let's do this. I'm dauntless. And then I did it and it sucked. <laughs> you know, I, I obviously scrubbed out of the program. And the reason why I did that is I found that I wasn't actually very good at being dauntless. It was very scary. <laughs> and you got beaten up a lot by yeah. other teenagers. Clearly the system was wrong in your case. It's like, you know, or in my case, like clearly the system, it's like, it told me that was what I was best at. So what am I now? I'm just some guy. And you start hearing about other factionless. You start meeting up and sort of sharing stories about how you became factionless and people from all sorts of different factions who maybe scrubbed out of their particular things for different reasons. Enmity people who weren't happy enough. Uh, candor people who are flagrant liars and you start coming together under Evelyn. What's cool is that in this context, me being, you know, just barely scrubbing out of Dauntless means that I am one of the more Dauntless people in the factionless. <laughs> so it's like, hey. When it comes to climbing up things and leaping off things and punching people. Jumping on and off the train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, I mean, sure, I'm not the best at jumping on and off a train, but I'm better than, you know, a bunch of the other people in here. And so like, when they see all the stuff that I can do in the context of being factionless, I actually look pretty cool. <laughs> and so you sort nice. of start to find this new kind of place where, where you belong. The whole concept of divergence starts becoming less important when nobody that you know is part of a faction anyway. The concept of somebody being like, I belong to different factions or I don't belong to any faction or whatever is just like, okay, sure. Yeah, cool. Well, I, I think I would just be one of the Amity people. Okay, mm. so I'm uh -huh. just, you know, tilling my earth. And, you know, the Dauntless come with their big cars and, like, here a mile away. And I'm like, oh, well, that's that's irritating and not very peaceful. So I just kind of take off because I'm like, uh, you're wrecking my peace here. <laughs> I'm just going to mosey on down the line well, to the well, climb a tree. And I'm just going to, you know, go to the orchard and hang out till it all blows over. <laughs> right? And I'm just watching from a treetop. What the hell? Till till they go. Yeah. And I'm like, what's all this about? This is just really not amity. This is not how we roll. What's this all about? <laughs> and then I kind of find out what's going on. And it just sounds ridiculous and, and quite hostile and mm -hmm. not very nice. So I decide to go camping for a week. I'm going to go <laughs> just take off on my own. Lots of vacation time in amity. Yeah. And I just go have a little soulful, introspective journey for a week and just hopefully all this stuff that's happening with the people in the city mm. you know the city people will get over themselves a lot, and a lot of get... rushing around for yeah. no particular reason yeah like they just need to calm down and i just can't handle it so i'm gonna go on a little re personal retreat so you know Self care I, yeah i gather some fruit and food and happy bread and a jug of water and i go off a little bit you know down the way um from the amity which is in my world beyond the fence where the farms are hey. and i just kind of set up camp when it's dark and then keep moving and keep moving and i stumble upon other people Ooh! and i'm shocked because we're supposed to be the only people in the world so i bust the myth but there's no one there to share it with so so you just kind of look up in the sky and go huh life is funny yeah yeah and i'm happy about it you, you sort of realize <laughs> you realize you sort of inadvertently 
gone farther away from the city than anybody else has. Yeah, I just <laughs> I just on a happy trip and I'm just looking <laughs> like this. Looking for anything, like followed the butterfly, <laughs> followed a bird, and then I just stumbled upon more people and I just <laughs> don't know what to think because I'm not that smart. I'm just happy. I, I like and the idea that, you know, there's this big revelation that happens. And like they're everyone's streaming out of the city, and as they're streaming out of the city, they go like past Amity, and they're like, "Guys, you've got to see this. We just unlocked this whole big deal." And Amity's there's like, a world out there. There's yeah, people. And Amity, Amity's like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> and you're they're like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah." They got good zucchini over that way. They're, to the they're east. there. Yeah. They're like, "What? You never told us?" Like, no. yeah, yeah, it didn't seem that important. No. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you guys didn't ask. Because I kind of say, I kind of, I actually, it's funny because I told my friend once, they're like, oh, what faction would you be in? And I was like, oh, I think I'd probably be an Amity. And they just thought that was crazy. They're like, you? And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do anything. Like, I just want to like, be happy and have fun and there's food. And, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, it seems like a well, like a no-brainer. But I'm like, what would you think? And they're like, oh, I don't know, like, candor or <laughs> and I'm like, okay. That's, it's funny if you ask friends what faction you ask your friends. Say, mm. hey, what faction do you think I would be in? Yeah, as it's opposed like, to like, who would you be? It's yeah, who would I be? <laughs> you get them to tell you because it's an interesting uh, conversation starter. But I was like, what? Hope for the future. So I mean, the the end of the movie in terms of hope for the future, I mean, it was very hopeful, right? I mean, the end it, there's a real. Yeah. You know, they found the answer. We found the answer, kind of thing. It's like we open the gate and then fade to white or black or whatever, yeah. and then it's like, what could be yeah. out there? And that—that's sort of the well. And I think that that's the, the hope you're talking about. There's this hope, but in the back of your mind, you're like, well, what's out there? Is it actually good? Right. right. What like, what's actually going to happen? Do we actually want to leave this? And that's, I think, where we're headed is the people that are like, no, factions, it was great. We were fine. Janine was crazy, but she's dead now. We don't, it's fine. Right. And then let's bring those back. Or do we create a whole new society or do we go out and explore? So I think that as much as there's hope for the future, it creates a big dilemma for the future because everyone's going to have a different idea on which way. Right. At least with the faction, society should go. with the faction system, everybody kind of knew what was going on. Yeah. We had all they had all kind of worked it out. It was pretty stable, and now obviously there's a lot more different stuff happening. But isn't this isn't the experiment over? Like, isn't the whole purpose to generate these divergences, and shouldn't the bigger society come in and retrieve them now? Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. So, so in theory, won't they all just be absorbed into the bigger society that might be there? Potentially. Yeah, maybe. I think the important part is that, is that it's still an experiment. Like the people running the show are scientists. So clearly it has the clear hallmarks of a controlled scientific experiment. Yeah. Yeah. But as, as much as they got the box open, these people I think are still going to want to see how it all shakes out. Mm. Like, I don't think they're like, Oh, we win. Let's go save them all. I think it's going to be like, let's go. To me, that's what I see is that it's, we've got divergence. Why, why keep going? Like, yeah. I guess the question is, it's I guess, not a social is, there, is there a certain number of divergence they want? Uh, is there like, does they want to, do they all need to be a hundred percent? Yeah. Yeah. There's I, what about 90%. You know, there's so always the okay? thing where it's like, they're going to get to the fence. Then they go outside and what they thought was outside is actually just like a big screen and they like break through. <laughs> and it turns out that they're like in the middle of in a, Vegas. Just a normal city. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Something like, you know, the, the full that they were actually like yeah. inside a giant dome the whole time. Or they're tiny. 
Oh, right? yeah. 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 And they're all on, on a tabletop with giant scientists peering down on them. Yeah. There's all sorts of, yeah, <laughs> all like sorts a... of twists and turns it could take. Yeah. Oh, man. They sh- it's too bad they already wrote those because I could totally help. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I kind of know what happens, but I'm not going to tell you guys because I actually have no idea where these the movie's going to go because it is I, it's, it's quite different than the book. If you're into the books, I do recommend listening to the books because right. the woman who reads them is fantastic. I guess the, the conclu- hope for the future, pretty, very hopeful. I, I mean, one of the more hopeful stories we've covered, really, especially considering this is the second book in a three-book series. Yeah, you might say she's run out of story, but uh, we'll see. Tris, come on, we gotta move. Tris, we have to move. I can't. I can't. My mom died protecting whatever's inside of this. I have to open it for her and I think I know how. Tris, if we don't leave now, we're not gonna get out of here. I have to do this first. I know it doesn't make any sense, but you have to trust me, please. With my life, apparently. The Divergent Saga, Insurgent, and our coverage of this along with Caitlin. Yes. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. And thank you for, yeah, for <laughs> writing that initial uh, <laughs> Facebook message that inspired this. Yeah, inspired I didn't, d- didn't want to bust all your theories, but I just... A series like this, which is, you know, it's been quite successful. I think it's sort of the second most successful behind Hunger Games to have it diverge so much from the book Mm. is quite interesting and not just like the story but the actual society which is Mm kind of what you guys are doing that was the thing that i'm like you guys need to know (laughs) yeah that it's like that's not way more simple than it seems you know like the trains they just go no one drives the trains they just they never stop Mm. like in this movie i think i you know you notice all the people who've never jumped on a train like Caleb or Marcus, they do quite fine jumping on and off the trains, but like they don't do that. Going Only full the speed. Dauntless do this, you know, and the factionless. Like, but <laughs> it the, doesn't slow down at any point. No. Yeah. yeah. So just the world is a lot different mm. in the movies than in the books. And that's what you guys are talking about. So do you ever look at your employees? So, so you manage a swimming pool. In fact, the one that we both, uh, me and my Girl brother pet. used to go to yeah. uh, me when too. we were kids and you too. Yeah. Do you ever look at your employees and, and try to, categorize them into factions uh like which no are the but now i'm probably going to now that, <laughs> now that you've said that <laughs> but i definitely could but i i did start doing that a little bit when someone you know asked me what faction would you be in and then they told me which faction they thought i would be in and you know it kind of gets your mind reeling about people mm. that you see and know and if you let it you know <laughs> but now i'm totally going to those are our next groups that are in service all right well thanks so much and and uh I'd like to remind you at this point that it's a Loading Ready Run podcast. Yes, and as with everything on Loading Ready Run, all our podcasts and videos, all that stuff, it is supported by our Patreon, patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. So if you like what you see in here, please check that out. Also, the intro music was composed by Bradley Rains, and all the interstitial segments are by Kiara Kant. If you like this podcast and you want to hear more of it, you can subscribe in iTunes or you can uh, subscribe on the Loading Ready Run website. 
and we are always looking for feedback. You can review it on iTunes or you can comment on the YouTube video or on our forums at loadingreadyrun.com slash forum. So thank you very much for listening. Yeah, and may the candor always make you dauntless and erudite and fill you with amnity and never abnegation. <laughs> That's how it goes, right? Nice. Yeah, I like I like the the way you you wove that seamlessly. <laughs> it's a mashup. The, yeah, that was. I very just good. watched Pitch Perfect, and I know mashups are the solution. Yeah. <laughs> and omit the factionless because they don't count. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye bye. 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 Ci vediamo. <laughs> Perfect.